count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Hello, friends. We are here, episode forty-one of the Lost Highway podcast. How are y'all feeling? It's a good start to this year. All right. There's a lot going on in this world. There's probably a lot going on in your life. It's probably the same for everyone else around you. And, and something I've been thinking a lot about is uh. What, I, what I'm identifying as a journey comparison syndrome. Um, it's a very real thing. So what I'm, what I'm saying journey comparison syndrome is, is, is when you go onto social media and the first five posts instantly kind of fuck with your mind. They kind of wreck your day just a little. They make you jealous. They make you feel a little lazy. They make you feel a little sad. They make you envious. Uh, or even worse, they make you feel like you're way better than somebody else and that person isn't uh, on your level. And these things are probably all true to some degree, to, to some uh, on, on, on the scale of dynamics of, of what reality is. But journey comparison syndrome overall can be a very poisonous thought process. And I think uh, a way to optimize your, your perspective, um, your patience, and your positivity in life is... Uh, is to just simply identify these thoughts as part of journey comparison syndrome because most people have this kind of poison within their within their brain, um, especially now since we're the first generation of people who have everything available, including competition, on a global scale at a very fast speed. Um, so if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling like you don't have a lot of direction or if you're feeling very jealous or if you're just... You're going to sit down and trying to do something in a calm state of mind and then somebody else's life comes into your your train of thought. Just try to identify that cycle as journey comparison syndrome. I think that'll actually be a very, very useful to, tool um, to help start this year out with. Um, it's helping me a lot because I identified like 12 thoughts of journey comparison syndrome the other day. And why am I calling it that? Because we are all, we are all on literally our own journey there are infinite there's an infinite amount of ways to interpret reality and to deal with life and all the inputs and the humans and everything that comes our way we are all on our own journey your journey has a context it has a message it has a purpose and you have a lot of control over it and a good way to reclaim and to establish a more efficient way of controlling it is to identify that journey comparison syndrome <laughs> y'all stay patient stay positive Stay persistent, stay cosmic. My next guest today is Mr. Alex Williams. Alex put out a full-length record a few years ago that I just love from the first note to the last one, and I listen to it quite often. And uh, he is a country music artist that isn't really catering to a lot of trends he is trying to say things that are very unique to his own life experience, and he spends a lot of time distilling his life experiences into songs that are salient and songs that are easy to digest and songs that just make sense in a clear and easy manner, which is what the, the medium of country music is so beautiful 
uh, at allowing. And so uh, we actually had never met in person before. I just cold call reached out to him and see if he'd be interested in hopping on a conversation. And it turns out there's a lot going on in his life right now that led to an amazing Cosmic Country conversation. I uh, hope you all enjoy this one with Mr. Alex Williams. All right. How's it going, man? Good. How are you doing, Alex? Good to I'm see you. I'm good. It's good to meet you. Yeah, I know. I, well, I mean, I've listened to your, I listened to your record so many times, specifically on airplanes, because your record, I play <laughs> all the way through. Like, I don't listen to it like a single by single kind of basis. Like I do with other artists, like, you know, that are in the genre. Sometimes like if I listen to like Eric Church songs, like I'll go and like pick three from Chief that I like and, and then oh. two from earlier tracks. And it's like, your record I listen to all the way through, man. And so yeah. I find that's a rare thing with country music because it's just such like- it, Just blame it on the crossfading, the, the crossfades. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool part. It's like kind of a stoner <laughs> thing, right? It's like, um, was that record inspired by- uh, well, I think the first country record that really did that was Redheaded Stranger, right? Yeah, in yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I know that record that it has crossfades and they have the instrumental sections, but uh, it's um. Yeah. Did did meta modern sounds and country music inspire that record at all? No, man. Um, I just I've always liked um, you know kind of the you know basically what you're doing the cosmic country. Thing, man, I, you know I love Jerry Jeff and uh, stuff like that. And the seventies Austin uh, Doug Song scene, yeah, Doug Song. I love Doug Song. So I just wanted to do something a little spacey, a little spacier, you know, with uh, with the recording aspect of things. Um, hmm. And obviously, that was a point in time. So things have changed since then. So. Things have changed in the personal life. That is that is of Alex Williams and also artistry. And then also the, the landscape in which we operate as artists completely changed in three years. Yeah. And yeah. it's a real thing, man. Yeah. Do you How think, you been, um, Oh, I've been great. <laughs> I've been good. I've uh, also had a, I've had a terrible year in many ways. Um, you know, we stopped touring. We were going to do over 150 shows this year. We, we ended up canceling a show on March 13th. I think the day the pandemic was considered uh, when the lockdown was starting. And, um, we ended up canceling a show in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, just all that. Like, it's weird when your problems become cliche. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, wait, my friend has those same problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I've been able to lean into the podcast a lot, and the way I've been thinking about music has completely changed. Like, yeah. a different person, really. Wait, fantastic guitar player. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. I definitely have, uh, I've closed the chapter on my guitar playing this year that I wasn't able, um, I don't think anything aside from COVID would allow me to do. I basically, I realized, man, it's just like with guitar, it's like, I feel like I've taken it. I, you can never say you can take it as far as you can take something, but I've definitely taken it to somewhere to where I realize I'm, I'm comfortable with how strong I am in that department. And I can now look at my weaknesses that I have in other areas and really just spend time focusing on those, just like I used to on guitar. Right. I, mean, I, would, I used to be writing songs, you know, doing three, four co-eds a week and just be like noodling the whole time and not focusing on the, on the, on the words and, and the, the emotional center of whatever it is. And it's just like, now I'm really leaning into that here. COVID gave me a comfort with that. And there's, yeah, that's, that's been the upside, you know, it's been so much time to, to be creative and, and write tunes because, you know, that's all we can do. 
Well, <laughs> you said uh, Jerry. So I've not really gotten to Jerry Jeff Walker. Um, I know he just passed, right? And so yeah. I just listened to, um, I just went and listened to like some of the greatest hits. And I think there was one where it's like, um, what he said, style, attitude, and timing. Life is all about attitude. And oh, timing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, singing the dinosaur blues. Yeah. And it's like, man, what is it about Jerry Jeff that, first of all, would make you say that it's cosmic country? Because I know that I didn't come up with that term and a lot of people bag on me for saying that I did. But I think it means something different to everybody. And that's why I love your record because it's, it's so like it hits that chromosome of what I want from a country record. But it yeah. is also cosmic in a lot of ways. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to get your opinion on on that too. Honestly, of you know, between you and I, um, yeah. I like that term, that subgenre uh, better than outlaw country. I see that much. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I basically I think just um, with that term, it's just you know providing color. You know, it's a, it adds color to, uh, in my opinion, your basic. You know, I just wanted the the, the the country tunes that we recorded on the Better Than Myself album just to be a little bit more colorful uh, and just be a little left field. I guess that's what it is. You know, it's just a, it's a little left field. Um, it's got a lot of, you know, I love the Grateful Dead as well. Um, I can tell, I know you're a Grateful Dead fan. So. Oh man, uh, I listen to Grateful Dead every day when I yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, you know, providing color to, to uh, to the genre of country music to make it a little more uh, transparent, I guess. It's weird. I feel like country music always has an adjective in front of it, and but like rightfully so. There's like bro yeah. country, there's <laughs> country, there's outlaw country, there's alternative country. But yeah. what's really weird, man, is I feel like cosmic country is for most people because most people don't listen to country music. Like if you go and listen, if you look on. Like, um, I really love numbers. And so I love like seeing like there's uh, like Spotify, you listen to like how many people percentage wise listen to country music on Spotify? And it's less than 3% across the whole world. It's like, so no one, yeah. so in, you know, we're here in the Midwest and in the South thinking, oh fuck, everyone and their sister loves country music. They do. But there's yeah. countries in the world where no one knows what country music is. Oh, totally. Oh. country is that you're taking all these elements of life and you're bringing it into the world that is country music. Right. And it's just like, man, you did such a, you know, better than myself. It's like, if you look at the lyrical content of that song, that is, that relates to anybody. Like that's not just a country song. You know what I mean? And I find that for like, what makes a successful country song so much? Like you do have to speak to people that are country, but it's like some of the best country songs are for everyone. That's not country. That's right. you know, those Dolly Parton songs, I Will Always Love You. It's like, right. come on. Yeah, it's funny how, how quickly, you know, as you know, I'm, I don't need to tell you, but like how quickly somebody can stereotype, you know, and put it something in a box, you know, just like the, the outlaw country thing. It's like, I don't even, I don't even think Willie and Waylon and those guys um, appreciated that term back then. I think it was just something they ran with because, you know, it, it was a new thing, but uh, I don't even know what that even means. Um, you know, there's just so much more to music. I'm, I'm a, like, honestly, I probably listen to old country the least. Um, I listen to Stephen Stills and, and the Grateful Dead and stuff like that, you know, early 70s singer-songwriters, and that's kind of, 
my wheelhouse. Oh, so that is, is that like a recent thing or have you always listened to, to that stuff? And you're I've always listened to that stuff. I, I just, I didn't capture it on the first record just because that was a different point in time. And I just honestly didn't really have the full picture that I wanted to do at that time, you know? Well, so man, I had this thought yesterday. Um, there's a friend of mine that I've been giving guitar lessons to who lives out in Fairview and, um, he has like, uh, uh, he has like this property that he just bought and it's just like a, the exact home I've dreamed of living in. Yeah. And, uh, it's really cool to, to be able to go out there and hang with his house cause it's still in construction and he's putting it back together. Right. Um, he basically bought this house from this old man that was 70 years old that had built, was like the second owner of the house and requires a lot of maintenance. So he's refixing it up. And where was this at? In Fairview, Tennessee. Oh, Fairview. Okay. Yeah. So very nice, very nice area. And it's just like, if you were to show an alien, what does Tennessee look like? (laughs) This is the good part is fair to you. I want to check it out, man. That sounds off. But I realized I was thinking, well, driving home last night, it's like, cause it's about an hour from my house. And I, I like driving without a lot of music. Sometimes I just like to analyze my thoughts. And it was just like, I was thinking, it's like, if I were to actually visualize a house, I like, Having the full picture of something, I bring this up because you said full picture, you really have to work to understand what your vision is. You can't just like have an epiphany and think that your vision's developed. Right. And I mean, I think that the idea of creating an album and having a vision behind a collection of songs really requires a lot of thought. And it seems like a lot of people are right now, we're trying to just put out music so fast. We don't give ourselves the time to realize that ideas might take years to actually manifest. Yeah. So, so when when you said that I, I didn't have the first, I didn't have the full picture when I made that first album in 2017. How has that changed? Do you think? And that's a big question. But well, I mean, uh, you know, as you know, it's uh, like you were saying. I mean, it's a. Uh, um, I think it's really important to remind yourself, you know, that it's a natural journey. I mean, it's a it's a journey that you're supposed to go on. You know? It is a journey, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as you know, um, so to find that progression, you like you were saying, you do have to work. You know, you have to. Uh, that's the the whole point of of being an artist or a songwriter, in my opinion, is you have to you realize things about yourself and the world that you didn't know. Obviously, you're not going to know everything ever, but I mean, especially with your first record or something, I'm sure every artist you talk to or every band is. I'm sure they they could be proud about that first record, but the, you know, if you get, if you fast forward to their sixth or seventh, you know, you can tell that they've, you know, gone to a different place, and that's worth you know it's worth exploring. Sure. How do you go about exploring those things? What's that? How do you go about exploring those things? Do you try to you try to sit down and 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 write from a with a with a new idea that you haven't said before? You know, things like yeah, that. Yeah, man. I just always try, try to listen to a different, a lot of different genres and, and just try to figure out what they're doing. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, just, especially with like, with songs in general. I mean, listening to, learning from the, the best, in my opinion, who's like Chris Christopherson, you know, Guy Clark, Towns Van Zandt. So I learn a lot from them because they, you know, they go to places I've, I never would have thought you can go. And, uh, yeah, man. And uh, it's just, 
it's always a learning process in my opinion. And, uh, I've definitely get, obtained a lot of new ideas by listening to those guys. Oh, it is. That is the realest thing. I, I, I was listening to the highwayman record while jogging. The yeah, that's great. Great, great. The whole record's good. And it's just like, you know, that they knew that the song, the High, highwayman was the best song on the record. Yeah. They put it, they that's, put a, it that's a weird damn song, but it was a, a great one. Well, I love hearing like, so I recently just discovered unearthed the Johnny cash. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, good. that's awesome. 2003 and it was like right you know so when the american recordings with rick rubin it was johnny cash that yeah man. brought him back and it was just mine too man I, i'm arriving at this place in my life now where again the, the musician in me is really changing and it's just like yeah. i would never have years ago listened to someone just strum on a martin and just sing like that would never have been enough for me but now that's all i want man because i'm realizing there's so fucking much that is said yeah. from, and it's just like specifically on the Johnny Cash vibe. It's like on that song, the highway, man, I'll fly a starship across the universe divide. Yeah. It's like, that might be the definitive co cosmic country music line. Yeah. It's been said. And then maybe I'll come back as a single drop of rain. It's like, how do you like, you can't like anyone who says that they're not in the country music has clearly like never heard that song. Cause that encapsulates the entire concept right. of mortality and what is the afterlife? And it's like, that is so fucking heavy. You can't even comprehend it. It's like just as heavy as like what George Harrison would be singing about or, or, yeah. or you know, it's like very esoteric country music. It has the ability to be. And so I mean, Van Zandt, man, they, he takes it out there. Yeah, man. I mean, I guess, uh, man, you hit it on the head there. You know, it's like a lot of people when it, when it comes to country music, they think it's just all about, you know, being from a farm or, or uh, you know, this the natural cliches, but there's so many, you know, uh, what's the word, the word, uh, worldly songs, you know, like you said, es esoteric songs, you know, in that genre that uh, I don't, th I think a lot of people miss sometimes. I think a lot of people miss it. I think a lot of people get this like capitalistic driven idea that country music is like, yeah. dude, without a guitar, just dancing on stage, like singing songs about whiskey and shit. And it's just like, right. <laughs> that is for some people. And that's totally yeah. cool. Like that is. Yeah. Like uh, Paul Cawthon, I know you know, you play with Paul for a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like I've, <laughs> I've been a huge fan of him just because I like, you know, he's, he just seems, he's just one example. Um, like yourself too. It's like, you know, fearless songwriters, you know, where the vibe is just, it's unique. And, um, I feel like he does a pretty good job with, uh, you know, making country music in, um, interesting. Uh, you know, he does. He can't help but be a person. Music. Yeah, it's whatever he does. I think that's the thing. It's like, um, man, Paul's way of just of interfacing with the world is very rowdy, and it's just very like hands on. And it's right. very much like there's no rule book. Like I'm just gonna rip this motherfucker out of the box. You ever see somebody get an Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime box and they just go <laughs> to use their hands to open it and not a knife? <laughs> You're just like, why the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you using your teeth to open this Budweiser heavy? <laughs> it's like just use a bottle opener. And that's Paul's approach to everything. And I've noticed that because I spent like a year and a half in a fucking Ford E350 with him. Might as well make use of your teeth, like you know, like you have. 
<laughs> Might as well. That's great. <laughs> Man, Paul taught me that however you interface with life, that bleeds into your profession. Right. It doesn't matter if your profession is music or, right. or something that's much more competent like a business or, or something like that. Yeah. Like, it really like bleeds into how you interface with the world. And man, that guy is fucking relentless. And, and when people hear him sing and see him play, they get this visceral reaction that is of a relentless person. And man, right. that really helped me blossom into how I, how I approach music. And yeah. I've noticed though, man, that it seems like, cause you're with big machine. Are you still with them? No, I haven't been with them. Um, in about uh, a year and a half. Right. And so my friend Dan Smalley is a big machine artist and, and we talk about like, you know, how a large part of their catalog is are things that are pretty much like inside the box. And so something I, I love getting people's opinions on is like, why do you think, like, why is it Paul bigger than Luke Combs? Like his songs are insane. And when people see him play, they never forget it. But it's just like, I wonder if things can be too out there. For, for, for the large mass of population to get? Or do you think it's just that it's a matter of time and that we're all on our own journey and he's going to, you know, he has his own coming? I think it's more the latter. You know? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just, it comes down to what path you want to take. I mean, obviously there, um, you know, if I would have known now what I did back then. Oh, um, fuck. You know, I wouldn't be... Uh, I wouldn't be in that. I wouldn't want to be in that place. Um, but, wow. I would, but I had been in town for a while, and I, you know, I was, you know, presented that opportunity to make a record with them. Um, even and it, and it was just it was one of those things where just like, all right, man, go put an album out. You know, somehow I became part of Big Machine uh, just by putting an album out. That's it. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, that's, that's not right. like necessarily, you know. Uh, just like a single uh, album. It, it wasn't really my path then. And I, and I, and I, um, I don't have anything negative to say about it, but I also, um, as you know, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, there's a formula. Um, and there's not a lot of room to, to branch out in, um, in that world. I think in that world, it's, it's also just like, well, that's the thing I'm trying to like get at with like, that world's only 3% of Spotify. Right. So it's like, why are we, who, who like of us that live in this bubble, like that's a, such a small, you're talking about 3% of Spotify contributing yeah. to that world, but we live in Nashville and they're like, well, if you don't mention Tom Petty in the first verse, that ain't, I can't do nothing with that song. <laughs> yeah, man. You know? It's like, well, what? Like that's only 3% of listeners. Like, what are you talking about? Like legitimately. And so it's yeah. like, you took a chance and you said some, you said ideas that were identifiable to Alex Williams on your first record. That's a ballsy move. A lot of people wouldn't have put the time in their identity to do that. Um, was there a lot of conscious action behind that? Were you, or were you just like, did you even I thought, try to I write? I thought there was. I thought there was. And then you listen to it two years later and you're just like, all right, man. Um, obviously, the more you learn about something that, you know, you um, have a little bit different of an outlook. Um, about it. I mean, there are some songs I wish yeah. I would have replaced on the, on the first record that, uh, you know, it was one of those things, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm still proud of, you know, of what we, what we did at that time. 
Man, well, you know, me being someone who has no ego attached to the album whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I love it. You know what I mean? And so it's just oh, like, yeah. thanks, man. That's a real thing. And the thing is, like, to, for it to be on my phone for three years, and I'm not talking about like it's in my iTunes library, like it, it transforms oh, the phone. So that's I mean, real. Thanks. It's real, though, because it's like, it's weird to put things out, which I have, that I dislike when other people bring them up. I was having a Christmas party the other day. And someone played my record that we just put out in August and they picked the yeah. one song that I wish they wouldn't have fucking played. And the whole party is just like, yeah, we dig this. <laughs> like, I don't like this song anymore. Like we recorded it, we recorded it last year and I'm a different person now. And it's just like, that's a weird thing to get out of is, is to realize that everyone else's perspective on your art is just as important, even though they made nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the truth, man. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way with like, you know, I try to be careful if there's like, there's something I really love, you know, like musically, if there's something, an album I really love, I try to be careful not to listen to it too many times because I don't want to, you know, burn myself out on it and hate it, you know, in six months. That's real. Yeah. You definitely can go through. I feel like then there's some albums that I literally have been listening to since I first started listening to music that I love more each time it's like a it's like a partner it really is it's just like but it's not a human it is but it's just like a life partner that 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 travels with you and you reflect your who you are in 2012 to 2014 16 18, 20 against that that stable thing and the, the meanings of those things change and like american beauty you mentioned the grateful dad like i that was the first acoustic guitar i ever heard to my memory that right oh wow friend of the devil and it's just like, still to this day, I was listening to it last night. And I like Ripple or like Box of Rain? Like what, what was the song? Was it just Box of Rain or something? Box of Rain track one, Friend of the Devil track two, Ripple. Yeah. You know, Ripple's a way, I think, that they start off the second side of the album if you have the vinyl. It's just like, man. Yeah. Each song just hits harder even after, you know, I've been listening to it now for 11 years. And it's been out for 50 years this year. I'm sure you're one of those guys too who goes through all 4,000 of the volumes of uh, Europe 72. Yeah. The, <laughs> I have. Yeah. I really have. Yeah. I definitely invested a lot of time in trying to analyze how that band, because I feel like they are the most American sounding thing I mean, that's I ever agree. happened. And it's just like, I'm really about American music. one of them anyway. Yeah. It's just like, man, you get into like, you get into Aerosmith and you can see like, you can, that's also very American in the sense that a band can be turned into something that is like the Grateful Dead never turned in. They never gave it. They never needed any uh, backing in a sense from capital and or marketing that they didn't organically create. Like once they made, once they finished their deal with Warner Brothers, they went to Rhino, they had their own publishing and they owned everything. And so they yeah. were really innovative. Like where we're at now with artists owning their masters and doing distribution at smaller right. scales and communicating with their fan bases directly. And they were doing that intuitively in the seventies and sixties. And so it's just like, or in the seventies and yeah. man, like they really are just like, they did their own thing and they're still doing their own thing. And they own their own touring company, Los Moretos Incorporated. Yeah. And it's just like, that to me is so fucking cool. Cause they're so weird. Like there's, yeah. I explain that band. Like, what is it? And I'm sure it helped you, you know, with with other bands too in that world, like Jefferson Airplane and and uh, stuff like that. I, you know, they had that San Francisco pull. I feel like you know where a lot of those, you know, all the hippies and stuff, you know, like they had the fan base 
you know, they build it from the ground, you know, and that's, that's admirable, as you know, within itself. Is there nothing, I think the essence of building something that's American is that you build it based on what the market says. Like if the yeah. market likes it and you're willing to keep rolling your sleeves up every day and work at it, that's yeah. the American dream, like in yeah. a big way, man. I think they were recording American Beauty next door to, uh, to St- Nash or uh, Crosby Stills Nash and not young. Like I think on the same day it was happening. And oh, is that right? That's where some of those harmony ideas were coming from, or it was like in the same time period. I don't, yeah, I'm, yeah, dumb, yeah. I'm a complete dumbass. Like yeah. yeah, I think they did it in seventies when they recorded. Um, they recorded uh, or sixty nine something like that. They recorded American Beauty and Friend yeah, of, and and Working Man's Dead in the same year. Yeah, yeah. It's like who hey, knows? Man, man, go for it! I guess. <laughs> Man, something that, you know, so you you asked how, how this year has been. And it's like definitely something that I've been reflecting on is, um, you know, there's some things this year that I've done that have made me just really pissed off at myself. And like I thought that I wouldn't do again, just like lying to my friends or, or you know, not being honest really. Just really me being dishonest to myself really pisses me off. Like when I say I'm going to do something, I don't do it. And I come up with a reason as to why I'm not going to do it. And, yeah. and, and then I convinced myself I'm not going to do this thing. And two weeks later, I'm like, you dumbass, you should have just been honest and, and, and done the work or not made up an excuse to not do this thing that you said you'd do with your friend. It's like, you know, it's weird to see yourself act out of ways that, that, that you're not proud of. But then there's also the, the hindsight that this year has shown me is that, man, I've known, I've learned a lot of things that I wish I did know three, four, five years ago. And, right. and you mentioned that with your first release, like you said, if there were things that I would, I, I knew then that I knew now, which is so such a funny part of life where it's just like, that that's really is, fine, yeah. what are some of those things do you think? And that's an abstract question, but those are most of the questions I ask. On a musical <laughs> level or just, I mean, because I think it, it was, uh, yeah, was it like a mu- on a musical level or just on a general? I think both, right? Cause you're talking about it's a journey and it's just like, well, I think we're on several journeys at, at any given time because in our own mind, there's Alex Williams, the artist, and there's Alex Williams, the man, which is you talking to yourself. And that's a different person in the world sees, you know, so we're on these multiple journeys, which is really complex. It's not easy. So yeah, well, I think musically, let's start there. Musically. Well, I guess um, on a foundational level, I just had a different outlook about, um, you know, living in Nashville, I think it has a natural way of, of doing that. Um, is, yeah. is, um, you know, I think the idea of some sort of like promised land at the end of the road is, was more, you know, something I've um, valued a little bit more, like trying to get to use music to get to a certain place. Um, I've, I've, I've always, I've never changed my love for just playing music in general. And that's all I've ever cared about, but I still had that uh, idea in mind that, you know, Hey, you know, this could, you know, raise the bar or something for, for a career. And, you know, uh, now, you know, now it's just, um, that's just gone away. Um, you know, and that just comes with time, you know, it's just, uh, learning, uh, learning things about yourself on a musical level and, and with life and how it all works, you know, just this business that we're in, um, to, 
to be able to do this forever, I mean, I don't feel like the outlook needs to be common sense, and that's just having a, a, a love of playing music and trusting the process and, uh, you know, treating people with respect, you know. Yeah, treat, treat, man. Treat your fans with respect and, and work on your craft and, uh, and uh, not worry about anything else. Not worrying is like, um, I read this quote the other day. I forget the book. <laughs> it was like, uh, it's not about what you learn and, and what work you do in this life. You have to do that. But it's about right. how you do the work. Right. And it's like, man, that really is very, very real. I had the fortunate opportunity to start my career by being around people who were 50 plus years old, multiple times a week playing on stage with them. And this, just the, 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 the way in which they operated in time, how laid back the music would be, how yeah. they talk to each other, how they approach the idea of improvising and, and choosing songs and the set list. And, and there's a lot of, you know, I played with, you know, um, Willie Cantu, who was like Buck Owens main drummer for, for years. And right. just the way he would go about communicating on stage, it was so mature. And it was just like, you really realize that if you can take a, t a second to slow down and analyze exactly. yourself in life, then you can see that maybe some of your ambitions aren't all that necessary and you can just bring it down to like five as opposed to like 25 ambitions. It yeah. kind of sounds like you might have, you let go of some of the fat maybe a little. I did. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, I, I kind of, I, I just scared myself again a little bit, I guess. Ooh, what does that mean? How so? In Nashville, I, I just, I was, I scared myself because I found, like I was saying, I found myself valuing the wrong things. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That's a weird, you're probably valuing the wrong things, right? Maybe in some way to, to try to win in the short term and you were sacrificing the long term by compromising a little. That's right. Yeah. How crazy is it? We can trick ourselves into doing that. I do yeah. it all the time. It's easy to. That's why I run red lights. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to get there faster. Example, yeah. It's like, why the fuck? You're going to get there 30 seconds faster and you could actually stop at that red light and take a time <laughs> to breathe and be grateful yeah. for something. And yeah. it's like, no, you can't do something expedient in exchange for sacrificing what's actually meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, man. So what were you doing? Were you trying to like write songs that you knew were, that you were thinking were going to well, be hit songs? And You know, it, they, basically as we all have a love of Waylon Jennings and, and, that, and that world, I mean, yes, I do have a flying W tattoo. And they, <laughs> you know, when I came out with that record, they kind of like, it was easy to promote that as an outlaw country effort because I, that's all I knew at that time. That's what I wanted to do. You know, I love that music and I'm just, I didn't, I wasn't educated enough. I didn't educate myself enough at that point. Oh. It was still the beginning of the journey and I was trying to figure stuff out. And I just, that was what felt right at that time. Um, knowing that now, I mean, it's, you know, three and a half years later, uh, it's a, it's a 180. um, from where, where that place was. Um, um, yeah, it's just, it's easy to, it's easy to, uh, I guess I was, I was going for one thing at that time. That's to a little bit spacier outlaw country music, or if that's what you call it. Um, and yeah. It's weird how some of those efforts in, in just regards to other efforts that have been released take off and then some don't. 
And that's something I'm always trying to analyze. It's like even my, my own releases, it was just like, you know, I, I don't know if you're guilty of this, but I definitely find myself comparing myself to people, you know, yeah, I also, man. Yeah. It's like, I think like in 2014, that whole Dave Cobb machine opened the door. Right for there to be like less loud, less clean, real music that people yeah. who don't necessarily love country will totally fuck with and love. It is fantastic producing. Man, it's like, I, when your record came out, it, it hits me in that same way, but you're saying you're, you're definitely at a 180 now from who that man was. And I just love, I love hearing that. Are you, what are you doing now? Are you writing songs? Are you crafting yeah. songs release? And, I'm just, uh, I live in Indianapolis now, and that's that's definitely changed my perspective too. Because I've had to find a way to. It was almost like hitting the reset button. You know, I met my wife, and I'm you know I'm only four hours from uh, Nashville, and oh, no, living here great. now it's uh, living here now is just kind of it's forced me to you know to work on the craft. You know, because you don't have any, you don't have the environment around you uh, like you do in Nashville. Um, so it's it's been a it's been an adjustment for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I usually every day I just kind of sit sit at home and try to crank out a tune, good or bad, just to keep the wheels turning and, and uh, whatever yeah. feels good to kind of hold on to. Man, I was talking to my friend Jason Stoltz, who, um who has been on my podcast, we've been friends for years, like, and uh, yeah. he has this way of just saying things that sound like lines, <laughs> you know? And I, I realized it was just kind of like, man, it's not about, it. I feel like writing, being a writer, just being creative, like being a creative person, it's a very long-term investment because it's like, you really only need to write one thing right. that hits and it's just like, you're yeah. good. You need to write one, one, one real thing. And it's like your mind, like you're kind of like, I realized this last night as I was driving home from Fairview, uh, talking to him and it was just like, man, it's like our job, it almost seems like is to like collect these pieces of experience and communicate them yeah. with others so they can relate. And, and we happen to do that through music. Yeah. But exactly, really, man. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, you know, it, yeah, you got go it. Go ahead, brother. Sorry, you got on Oh no! Yeah, the Zoom thing can be. That's yeah. the th I, that's the one thing I dislike about COVID is that we can't do in person interviews as much. A lot of people are just like, "Yeah, you're oh, in Indianapolis. Man. That's all good." Yeah. <laughs> Probably beautiful up there, man. I would love to one day not have to be in in Nashville. Yeah, that's snowing right now. So. No shit. A little bit. I'd love some snow. I miss that Midwest, yeah. man. I miss that Midwest. Yeah, life. man, it's, it's fun. Yeah, you played in Indianapolis a lot. We played in um, Illinois and played at Urbana. We played Chicago. Played oh. in Indiana. I don't think we played Indianapolis. No, I don't even think so. Wait, nope. are you picking up there much? Is there are there is there a scene? Man, I was we're we're expect, me and my wife were expecting a little little guy soon. So I um, uh, wow. canceled I canceled the rest of the shows for the rest of the year just to to be safe. But we were we were doing some some shows, um, but just some places, man. There's no restrictions. People don't care, and they just pack into bars and stuff. And it's like I, don't, yeah. I feel guilty doing this. So 
Yeah, there, there is that. Like you do have to have some precaution just to be, you know. I also don't love that my friends who are living in LA and New York can't rehearse. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, what's the deal? Especially LA. That's a little unnecessary. Um, oh, yeah, man. Crazy. It's crazy. It's good that, you know, man, you said you have, a, you have a son coming. Is that your first child? Yeah. Whoa, sir. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty pumped about it, man. Yeah. That is that is like you're ascending to the level of meaning that this life has for us all. Yeah, man. It's uh definitely best thing about that is, you know, living for something else other than your than yourself, you know. Whoa, and you're already doing so prior to his arrival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a struggle. Is it? So uh, my friend Chandler, who's my age, he's 25. His life is, I think, 11 weeks along. And uh, it's his first one. And man, he is fucking terrified. And yeah, I, yeah, me too, man. <laughs> I just want to hear about some of that fear. Because I, I think fear allows us to make, if you're like, not fear of like, oh shit, this this coyote's coming at me and it's gonna it's gonna you know fuck with me like as I'm on my porch. Like that's happened <laughs> several times uh with my friends out in Libra Squark and we were hanging out there for a couple of years. Um but I'm talking about like a, a looming, I don't know what I'm if I'm ready for this kind of fear. And I feel like that makes us make the decisions that we have to make sometimes. All right. Yeah, so yeah. how would you describe like what's going on in your mind with this? That's a wild with thing that's about to happen. Yeah. Okay. specifically yeah. with music is that changing the way you're looking at music and creating well you you mentioned like you know having fear or whatever i mean uh you know back when i was in nashville when i was trying to you know the process that you go yeah. through to make your first record you know i did have a lot of fear back then mm. I, you know i was i was i couldn't say i couldn't tell you back then that i had no fear because I did, you know, I just like, I had to, I felt like I was driven to do one thing and I had to stay in that place mm. to, to produce results and uh, whatever that means, results. Um, but uh, now, I mean, like, you know, I feel a lot better because I've, uh, I've kind of lost that fear and just I, I sit down and write and wow. do everything just and make decisions, creative decisions, or anything, just on a general scale. That's that feels good. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. that's real. Yeah, and it's not like I don't know what's expected or anything like that. That's the real thing. I feel like if you're living in a city that's New York, LA, Nashville, there's just a kind of this character role that you're expected to to dominate, master. Yeah. It's yeah. not even play. It's a, it's, you're supposed to dominate and master it. It's not even a matter exactly. of playing. And it's very like uh, Western and it's very, which is weird because music, music is older than capitalism and music is older than the United States. And you can see like how the U.S. Uh, method, methodology of living life affects music in ways that aren't always good for the art. It's good for some people, 100%, right? You can't yeah. deny it. Like you can build a strong foundation and and, ha and come out in the black at the end of your tours and have a team that works with you and you can sell merchandise and have good margins and have good distributors and stuff. But in yeah. regards to the, the mental right brain process of creating and taking in things, I feel like the drive to attain three buses in a sold out arena tour, 
that identity that people have in their minds causes them to create shitty records. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it, you know, it gets, it gets a little redundant. I mean, it did get a little redundant too, because um, as you know, you, you're a songwriter and, uh, you know, there's a place like back in Nashville, there's always a place I went mentally that just was the safe zone. You know, it's just like, Hey, this is where I'm supposed to go because this is where the hard country part of my mind is. So this is the, this is what is recognizable to me, you know? And I feel like the more that you, if you really push yourself to explore other avenues, um, you mm-hmm. gotta, I don't know, you, you just gotta let go of those, of those places and not have any sort of blueprint. Um, I think just not having a plan, um, writing a song is, makes the whole process a lot more enjoyable because you're not, you know, shooting for one thing, you know, it's a. You you said trust in the process, man. That's something that like, so. Sorry. Hopefully that made sense. I don't know. (laughs) Oh no. My listeners are into the abstract. We're into the weird. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Not having a plan, you know, I feel like it's. Not having a plan is real. You, th- I think not having a plan is similar to letting the results take care of themselves. Yeah. Right? And it's just like, to not trust the process, though, means, like, if you're not going to trust in the process, that means you got to trust in yourself. Right. Right? Like, in some way, it's like, so what is the, trusting the process, like, how does that, what does that mean to you? Because that's a different thing for every person, you know, especially even in the realm of music, that's a whole different thing. I'd love to hear how you define that. And trust in the process, I mean, meaning not having any expectations uh, for anything, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, my whole outlook, you know, I'm so much more satisfied with uh, my art and uh, the, the whole letting go of, you know, trying to get to a certain place. You know, I mean, like, yeah, I I make a living now playing music, but, you know, and nothing financial uh, helps you uh, grow as as an artist or a songwriter. Uh, Mm. You know, it it is, I mean, we all aspire to to make a living playing music. Um, Of course. Even if it's bare bones, I mean, you know, it's still good to remind yourself that you know, I've trusted the process this far and it's gotten me to this place and there's no, it's not rocket science in my opinion. I think just letting go of anything that doesn't matter externally, you know? Yeah. Right. Cause you, you have a son on the way, you have a house in Indianapolis, you have a wife, like you're like, you're on, like you're doing the thing, you're doing the, the, the good thing. And so it, you don't need to have uh, a seven-figure income, right? You, some people don't even, you don't even have a six-figure income. It's just like, you know, really, to, to have a happy life in America, at least for now. We'll see what happens in the next whole yeah, shit. Things are going to get weird. Being grateful to play music for a living, you know, because that's the most important thing. Uh, Gratitude you know, is huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's just to appreciate, you know, I just enjoy playing music. And hopefully... You know, I've been, been able to scrape by this far. And, uh, you know, that's that to me is, you know, success. And so, whoa, okay. 
Yeah. That's where I've always had a hard time with success personally. Cause I've always really like, whenever I get into something, I get real heads in on it. I always want to, I don't know. Like I think my guitar playing is a good result of that. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's like, no, it is, man. I mean, fantastic guitar player. Um, you know, I see you as successful and, uh, you know, and you seem completely content with, uh, I mean, I don't know you like super sure. well, but being content and uh, you know your vision and, and you're uh, making the most of that. Trying to. It's funny how visions evolve. Like you have these new life experiences. You're like, oh, wait, that last thing that I wanted is metamorphosizing into like, there's a metamorphosis here of like, it's actually turning into this different thing. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. very <laughs> happy. Um, well, Jerry would be proud, man. I'd say that. Man. <laughs> yeah i've had a weird thing about jerry lee i've been listening to a lot of cherry interviews and i just think i don't know if we would have gotten along all that well like the bluegrass shit's pretty awesome too man his bluegrass work have you listened to pizza tapes yeah yeah that's wild with tony rice and david grisman yeah dude <laughs> that's some crazy work that's beautiful are you into billy strings at all i love billy strings yeah he's great and he's young too. I think he's not even 30. I think he's like 28 or something crazy like that. Yeah, he's, he's a fantastic player. Fantastic player and somehow a, a, a guitar player who's been able to transcend into artistry, which a lot of players are not, they don't, they don't do. Like uh, the cosmic version of bluegrass. I feel like it's kind it of like cosmic grass or whatever. Cosmic grass. Maybe... Mark our words. If Billy and I ever do a tour together, we're going to call it the Cosmic Grass Tour. <laughs> yeah, just, I, I don't know, man. He's like, he's a Grateful Dead fan, it seems. I don't know how you could play guitar and not be a fan of. If you play like clean, non shred guitar, I don't know how well, you could. Like turning bluegrass on its head to make it in interesting. I think he's done a pretty good job of that. Oh, man. And that's the thing, too, about the Dead is it, it, a lot of people might not think it, but the song really matters. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the most important thing. That it, it really is, man. And so it's like um, the one thing that I, I think you're talking about being content and, and having your having your knowing what your visions are. I think you know. First time I had a vision with music was when I saw. I was like, I saw uh, this video of like Axel. It was like Guns and Roses, like playing Paradise City is why I started guitar. So I would just scour YouTube for watch every Paradise City cover. Terrible people like in Sao Paulo, Brazil with like five strings, just like playing the fucking worst version of that song. <laughs> All the way to like um, them playing it live in like 87 or something. And yeah. it was just like 80,000 people. I'm like, that's what I want to do. As like my mom is bringing me hot pockets to my room at 12 years old. <laughs> And now I'm at this place now, man, man, if I could like, if I could sell the Ryman three nights in a row, I would be so happy. Like, yeah, I, man, that, that wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> you, but isn't that weird? Like how, like how like life gets bigger. Maybe your, your visions tend to be less grandiose. Cause you realize the, you realize like, like that really would be a fantastic way to live. Like, yeah. so, you know, you're talking about how you scared yourself a little bit in Nashville. That takes a lot of humility to be able to say that you did that. I would just love to hear about like what that means and like how you've changed a little. Because I've, I frankly have done the same things where I've looked back from time where I was like, I don't wish I worked harder, but I wish I valued the right things more. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think you just said it, man. I mean, just you know, 
it's a learning process and my i guess the end the end goal on a creative level or a, a musical level is like you know as you know the, the music that is the only thing you can really leave behind you know so i mean it's something kind of uh you know i aspire to get to the place where i you know i feel good and i found i've found the zone that i i want to be in and you know the songs that uh, you know i'm not in that place and i and i probably won't be for a while because I'm, as we talked about it is a long journey so uh, hopefully by the end of the road i'll you know be able to look back and and say that i had found that that place that i would like to get to on a on an individual level that's real it's like i think carl sagan who's one of the most cosmic beings ever said um at least on earth was like uh to live in the hearts that you leave behind is to live forever that's, and it's like that's that's great man. that just puts that's it all into perspective that. right and then i just like when i see that i'm just like man i don't give a fuck if someone got like a better publishing advance than me that's what like, i'm saying because it's just gonna go it's gonna be spent and go away and you ain't gonna be able to what are you gonna do leave your publishing deal behind for people to check out in a display case yeah <laughs> like who cares the, like the hall of fame country music hall of famers my warner brothers publishing deal contract <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty funny actually <laughs> that'd be pretty funny. Uh, i'm not talking shit, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no that's all good man it, it's true you know it's cool like that's another thing too i think in the music business where people like we're in a very evolving space in, in regards to the logistics of functioning within music. Like it's a very much evolving wild west, you know, you can yeah. have massive success and, and be a completely independent artist. Yeah. Like really. And like, that's never happened. So like yeah. we're, it's, it's crazy. I, I think a lot of things too. It's like, I think a lot of musicians care about things that don't matter because other musicians care about those things. If we're trying to like, we're trying yeah. to have the better Ray bands and we're trying to have a better publishing uh, contact at, at BMG or just like for everyone who doesn't know what that is. It's just like one of the biggest publishing groups in the world. It's just like, yeah. And yeah. It's, not, it's not bashing um, anything that's on a mainstream level because, you know, zero. there's plenty of, I mean, there's plenty of artists out there that, you know, are in, are, are in the radio country world that, you know, I think that's, that's Impressive, right. man, because I, you know, I couldn't do that. Um, There's also a lot of independent yeah. artists that are terrible. <laughs> that yeah. Would oh, yeah. I mean, too. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff out there that's just complete shit. But, you know, the, the value there is the opposite of what we're talking about, you know. Right, yeah. It's like, hey, I'm looking for the big house in Franklin or something. I would say that's right. That's right. I'm in a strange place in life where like, I want the house in Franklin. Like I do, but it's like, I feel like we're in this time now where you can have that and you don't have to be like, look at Jason Isbell. Like that dude still I works mean, with 30 tires. Incredible. Like it's incredible. Like it really is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's wild, man. So man, I just love yeah. it. You, I'm very excited to hear like what comes yeah from you next like i'm very stoked to see like what you come out with next having this big 180 it's like was there any one experience or a couple of experiences that made you realize that maybe not a 180 but yeah 
Go ahead. Sorry, man. No, that's all good. That's all good. It's good. To, you can, it's good to, you know, say things and, and, and uh, perhaps take them back. That's real. Um, we are changing beings forever. It's like, um, I'm very excited to hear where you come out, come out with next. Cause it was like, how old were you when you came out with that first album? If you don't mind me asking. I was 26. That's young. 25, 26. Yeah. Dude, that's an insane uh, voice to have at 26 years old. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> Thanks. Man. That is up. insane. Were you just born with, did your balls drop just when you were born? Is that just how that well, works? I like the last five, six years dropped. <laughs> um, no, I, I, honestly, man, I, I'm kind of like a, like a dying cat for the longest time. Like uh, 18, <laughs> 18 or 17 to uh, I'd say about 23, 17 to 23, I think is, I started to understand, but I, you know, how it works a little bit more. I think it's, like I said, it's, you start out singing like, I remember sitting in the Ambets or whatever in my hometown singing Crocodile Rock by Elton John. And it was like total wrong chords, the whole song sounded like a dying cat singing it. And then, um, you know, fast forward and you come into your own, I guess you find your own voice. I don't know how it works. That's, I don't get how it works either. People ask me, like, how do you get to what you are on the guitar? It's like, well, first and foremost, it's not past tense. I'm still getting there. Yeah, and then, my voice has kind of changed since that record, too, because I, yeah. you know, I wasn't trying to sound country or anything. I mean, like, I think, of, you know, I love country music, uh, you know, but I don't, I don't think I made it. I ever made it a uh, point to try to sound Southern or anything like that, you know, because I'm from India. Uh, well, you know, uh, but I mean, I do think like my voice has changed since that time too, where it's even less that way, you know, mm, it's bound to change, man. Yeah. I don't really think about it too much. I don't know. I don't, I can't listen to myself sing. I don't, I don't really, <laughs> you can't listen to yourself sing. I no way. Watch, I don't like, I don't watch live shows, uh, or, listen to my record or anything. It's hard to. I can't stand it, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it. I can't, I I just don't (laughs) like it. I don't know. There's something weird about it. I just don't. don't What do you think that is? I don't know, man. I just, uh, I guess I just feel uncomfortable when I see myself performing or singing or something. I don't know. It freaks me out. I'm cool with just doing it. (laughs) <laughs> and, let it, and let it lay, you know. <laughs> As Jerry said it best, <laughs> man, Jerry Garcia said it best. He said, once we're done with it, the audience can have it. Yeah, it's not ours anymore. You know, it's like kind of like writing a song or whatever. It's like, yeah, you can feel connected to a song once you write it and put it out there. It's, it's not yours anymore. There is a real, that's the thing I'm wondering now too, Alex, where it's like, wait, so if I write a song about my heart being broken this year, that ain't so different than like my friends who had their heart broken. And it's just like, wait, if I look back a hundred years, their hearts are being broken. Then like 200 years, the same shit was happening. And it's like, are our ideas really ours? Or are we just supposed to communicate them for the greater good? Yeah. I mean, obviously you own the song because you write it, but uh, you know, <clears throat> right. the, whole, 
the, the, you can't control obviously the way it makes people feel because um, you could maybe have a different outlook about I mean I'm telling you stuff you already you already know but, uh, it's good to be reminded but yeah I mean just to uh, you know you could have a the way you look at a song you write and it could be like a 180 the way it translates somebody else that's a thing that really kills me something yeah. like um someone mentioned me the other day like they were like um they they said that they loved a lyric to a song of mine i wrote about tennessee and they had the wrong lyric but i didn't reply saying they had the wrong lyric i yeah. replied saying my god i love that lyric because what yeah. they said added an evolution to that song i hadn't even considered before but to them it's just as real a lyric even if it's different than the one i penned down and and turned into BMI, you know what I mean? And, and it's on the yeah. recording. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like for, for example, like, you know, little two stone or whatever that song. Yeah, is. Like, man. Well, I mean, it's like, I love that. Song. I didn't even, I didn't write that really about, I, I wrote that because Melrose billiards closed for like a short period of time. That was a miserable it, time. What's that? That was a miserable time. Cause that hang yeah. is so ancient Nashville. It's perfect. Yeah, so like, you know, I wrote it about them closing down and just how bummed out I was about that. And then they like reopened it as Melrose Billiards again. So that song was really just bullshit. <laughs> 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 but, I mean, but yeah, like I smoke weed and everything, but I only do it at home. I don't really smoke on the road and stuff. People are like, you know, I, I never intended on that, on having like a... right. Uh, a weed song, but I mean, I know obviously that that thought was there within the connotation of my road. I like a weed song. Uh, yeah. A weed, like uh, there's plenty of good weed, songs. weed songs. Yeah, yeah. I was just, uh, you know, it goes along with you know people translate it differently and stuff. And I felt at that time I was just still scratching the surface a little bit. I didn't, uh, I didn't get too deep. Uh, I guess with those tunes. What's crazy is, whoa, 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 whoa. Not getting too deep. That's a crazy thing. Whoa, man. Do you think, um, I, I think deep is, I don't know if there's a one size fits all deep, just because there's different audiences that want different depths of material. Yeah. You know what I mean? So do you think maybe like your record obviously hits cause like I still listen, but it's like, maybe do you think like, um, you're trying to appeal to a different audience now because you're a growing and, and changing person is maybe that what you mean by not hitting too deep. Cause like those songs are very real and they, they come off. Yeah, I, just, I just meant like on a general level, just digging a little bit deeper, you know, yeah, uh, man, that's real. Yeah. When you go to write a song, do you like, do you have a general process that you pursue? Like, do you have a, a hook that you sit down with or an idea and a notion that comes to you, things like that music? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I usually have the, like a title or something that I base off of. I mean, it's, it's pretty rare for me to just sit down and, and hope for the best. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, like to find a hook, but just by writing the first line of the verse um, is a little more difficult for me in ways to finish a tune if you don't have a, you know, the title or something like that. Yeah. So are hooks coming to you like do hooks come to you throughout the day or are you trying to capture those things as you're just living your life and analyzing the scenes yeah, I, try to make it a, I try to treat it like you know get up in the morning and just try to you know I'll turn on like 
a Rodney Crowell record or something. I'm just, uh, you know, something like that. You know, one of the listen to a bunch of different types of songs and stuff and just see if anything comes to mind. And oh wow, it may work out. It may it may not. Oh wow, that's. Do you try to? What about with getting stoned in writing? Is that I've noticed that I go through different. Oh, it's tough, dude. It's tough. You can't wait. So you saying you don't? You stay sober when writing? Yeah, I just um, I drink like a hundred thousand cups of coffee in the morning and and just try to do my best until I kind of have to come down. Well, so you write in the morning. You start in the morning. That's the vibe for you. Yeah, usually from like you know ten a.m. to four, I give myself that window. Holy shit, six hours. I mean, it's just like. You know, my wife's working from home. I'm like, what else am I going to do? <laughs> right. Might as well spend some records and work on some tunes. Vince, you got a vinyl player at the house? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, that's all I do. Just kind of sit around and write tunes and listen to records. My God, sir. That's the thing, too. I find it, I find it hard to complain sometimes with our lifestyle. It's yeah, like, I mean, it, some days I'm like, yeah. I don't know how much that that laziness. Uh, you know, should I be happy that uh, you know I don't have a job, or should, am I just being lazy and I need to go out and mow somebody's yard or something? That's a real thing. I think it's good to ask yourself those questions because it, it puts a real importance on your prior or prioritizing of time. Yeah, totally. You know, it's a that's a real thing. I've definitely. What about you, man? What's your what's your process? My process is like um, with writing songs, I, I have to have things feel real in order for me to find an importance in it. Right. Um, so I put it in my Google calendar, dude. I put it that I'm writing with Daniel. They've always been a lover of a great thing, too. So that's a catchy thing. Thank you, man. Everyone says it's catchy. I like that I at least got that out of it because that's probably the thing I'm most proud of out of that song is I could write something that somebody says back to me as catchy that I thought was. It's like, I think I'm evolving yeah, now cool. where it's like, man, I really am into like that. I want that simple four chords at most. Yeah. Thing. I, as a guitar player, I got into this thing where it's like, I thought you would have to be John Mayer and like, you got to have these weird avant-garde suspended chords. You got to have weird rhythmic things that happen. And it's just like, if that's not who you are, you shouldn't try to fit a triangle to a square peg, man. And it's just like, yeah. Well, I think it really, when did you move to Nashville? My story is crazy. I'm Nashville when I was eight before I even started guitar. Yeah. Eight years old. Wow. Before I even yeah. started guitar. I was just curious because I, uh, you know, the first time I saw you play, I think it was uh, 2000. You played at Roberts, what, 2011? Yeah, Roberts Western World. Yeah, so I, was, I think I saw you, the first time I saw you play in there, I was just, you know, it blew me away. Um, so it's, it's cool to, to be able to, to talk now and see like, you know, where you've taken your, your path or whatever, you know, with, uh, with what you're doing, man, it's, it's an evolving thing. It really, you're not is. just a downtown, you're not just a downtown Broadway figure, man. You're, you're yeah. doing, doing the shit, man. That was a big fear of mine. My fears often like get me into like finding solutions. And like my biggest fear now is way different than it was then. My fear. Then never, was, I'm sure you never were just that. I, I just meant like. That was cool. the fear though. That's totally the fear is like, oh, am I going to be down here when I'm 65 years old, just slugging this Fender Pro Reverb around, hating my life? It's like, 
I don't want to fucking do that. How do I get out of here? You don't. Well, the good part about that is you don't only have to fucking slay Ghost Riders in the Sky. You you have original music too. So exactly. Not man. just the. You're not just the guy that plays that song the best on Broadway. You, you, you have original music. Man, that's the thing is if you can create, you can do a cover song the best and people really do love when you do that. And I love covers. Like if you can do a cover well, I think that's very hard. Well, I just think it's like you take it to a unique, different place than than what, uh, in my opinion. Oh, dude, I love it. Thank you, man. Doing originals, though, like that's the thing. It's like to make an original song that is useful to others. Yeah. That is where I'm at now, man. It's just like, that's my process. Like I just sit something down on Google Calendar and like I write with only about five people. I, I probably spent past four years, really, which sounds like a long time, but I don't know if it is, finding the people I write with that I can actually yeah. get on a level that I feel when I'm in my studio here by myself, when they come in the room, I don't have to come down or I have a fear of not being on their level. Like yeah. we're very similar. If anything, they're better than me. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's to to find the people that that you, that know you on a on a uh, humane level too. I think is important. You know, because like uh, as you know, like going into writing rooms or whatever. Uh, oh, you know, man. man, this guy wrote a uh, Travis Tritz or Colin Ray's. 1986 B-side. <laughs> right. And it's yeah. like, all right, man, like, you know, I don't know you. So it's, they go, at that time, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to write with, with new people, but I mean, when, when you're doing it, when you're doing it, um, but on a, on just a kind of a blind date situation, I don't, I don't think it works as well. No, <laughs> I've had some of my worst co-writes that way. Yeah, man. My first couple of years of doing that were just like, I remember I used to bring a typewriter and just co-write to people be like. Oh, yeah, dude, that's, that's sweet. Though. That's what I'm saying. I was like a thoughtful guy. Like, I'm gonna You're like Tom T. Hall, man. Like he used to write on a typewriter. Tom T. Hall's my biggest inspiration, man, in songwriting. Yeah, he's one of, the, one of my favorites, too. Uh, people will be there with their fucking, they're like. Uh, Typewriters are fucking awesome. So. They are. I also love my MacBook Pro. It's like with the touch bar. Yeah, yeah. My dad does IT, so like I've always had, always loved getting technology involved in music. It's like we so I can do our here, demos. When we get done here, I'm gonna get on eBay and try to find like a typewriter. I would get a Royal. I think the Royal typewriters are very good. There's nothing wrong with going with an electric typewriter. Um, electric typewriters are really easy to fix and maneuver if something fucks up. When you get into those old, old typewriters, you just straight up just got to buy a new one because there's no one alive that fixes them well. Just talk about typewriters for us. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you just be sure this is typewriters are fucking awesome. <laughs> That'd be cool, man. <laughs> you know what's good about typewriting is what, something that I do is I'll take a song that I love, like that's how I got to Memphis, Tom T. Hall, and yeah. I'll, I'll write it out on the typewriter so I can feel what writing a song like that looks like. <laughs> yeah. and it's that's like good, try point. that if you get yourself a typewriter my friend like try write Ernest Hemingway used to do that to practice writing yeah it's like that really puts you because it allows you to be like wait I might have actually gotten rid of that lyric because it's not complex enough but if it works for Tom T. Hall like it yeah. works for me so yeah. that's part of the process too that you know reading lyrics that other people wrote and stuff and man yeah. on the, to, to, to resolve this one 
Um, have you read the songwriter's handbook by Tom T. Hall? I have, man. Do you, I have. Everyone yeah. listening to this has to go get that book. I don't know if you yeah. do you have any. Do you it's, have, on, it's on the shelf. It's, uh, it's a good one. Are you reading anything right now? Is, is that part of your process, reading things that, that so you can yeah. keep those in your psyche? I read all the time. Um, to be honest with you, man, um, there's not a lot of, uh, I've gotten a lot of inspiration from, you know, Stephen King is a, is a, uh, is a cliche for a lot of people as far as being their favorite authors or whatever. There's a reason. There's I, do, a reason. I do read, I read a fuck ton of books. What's it? I've never read one Stephen King writing. So what? You can get country music uh, inspiration from uh, vampire novels or anything. Like that. Oh, uh, I would love to see it. What's a good? Uh, what's a good Stephen uh, King to get into? Oh man! Uh, well, if you you have your, uh, you know, you have your core like The Shining and It and you know Salem's Lot and all that stuff. Same but he's also got like he's not just horror too. He's got uh, you know he's got a lot of psychological thrillers. I mean he's got so many so many books. That I don't even know where to start. He's published hundreds of books, right? The it's absurd 60, amount. Sixty novels, I think. Sixty novels, sir. I think so, yeah, close. And look, he yeah. really. But when when it comes down to it, we're going to mention at most the top five, seven. Yeah. Uh, I would say like it. Uh, it's it, yeah. The stand. Uh, oh, okay. Shining, you know. I gotta Just read. Look that. it up, man. They're all great. I don't know. Yeah, damn, that's cool, man. Well, hey, Alex, yeah. I appreciate this time, man. It, it was cool to meet you. In, yeah, uh, man. In Thanks Zoom for having or, me. On here. Yeah, man. And when you come down to Nashville, um, let's hang. Let's let's do that. Uh, Got to write a song. I'd love to, man. Let's let's make it happen. Awesome. Hey, man. Well, enjoy your holidays. I wish you the best with your with your young boy coming on the way. And uh, yeah, man, just keep doing your thing because I'm a huge fan. Hey, likewise, man. Thanks for having me. Right on, brother. I'll talk to you. Right. Take care, brother. Mr. Alex Williams, y'all, on episode 41 of the Lost Highway podcast, the official podcast of all things cosmic country. Go check out his music. Uh, his YouTube videos are very remarkable too because the way that he performs is. Um, it's very real and it, it consumes his being. So to go and see that and observe that in a video is uh, very valuable if you're trying to get into what Alex Williams is doing. Um, we're listening to some Grateful Dead, Good Lovin'. I think it was from like 1970 something. Um, we're listening to some Claw Hammer Banjo right now. And then we were listening to Alex's song, Little Too Stoned. Um, Y'all go support us on Patreon under Daniel Donato, uh, Instagram, Daniel Donato, TikTok, Daniel Donato, Facebook, Daniel Donato, and then most importantly, join the Cosmic Country Club. It's very free. Uh, it's zero dollars, zero cents, y'all. Uh, monthly updates on all things Cosmic Country. We're going in and recording a, a new album here in a couple weeks and staying on the podcast train and working on new songs all the time, uh, just trying to get better and get my, my mindset better. Um, hope y'all are finding ways to stay joyous in this new year. Um, Yes, stay patient, stay persistent, stay positive, and avoid that journey comparison syndrome, y'all.